This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And you know our goal, that's to get you so well prepared that you have, so that you can attain your goal. You wouldn't expect the Golden State Warriors to go into the championship game without a good, well-prepared game plan. Well, becoming a champion of home ownership is no different. Um, you you got to be well-prepared. And the great thing about doing this show for the Fresno Association of Realtors is that we have 4,000 members, all from diverse backgrounds, interesting stories to them, and we get to have them as guests on our show. I have two fresh ones today. <laughs> Never been on before, but I, I, to be honest, I was really looking forward to this show because of these two guests and their backgrounds. Um, first, I'd like to introduce Rita Amaro, who is the manager and broker of Lion Real Estate here in town. Yes, good morning. Good morning. And I remember Rita 17 years ago. Um, do you remember I met you in the church parking lot, George Murphy, who was who had hired you as an and my assistant. Mentor, yes. Yeah. Uh, he introduced me to you and said, she's going to be a good one. I don't know if he said that, but I do remember meeting you in the church parking lot. Well, he had just come out of church. He had to say something. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we have Brian Catone, who is the um, also a broker of at Lion Real Estate and also a real estate attorney. So today's um, show is going to be about disclosures, liabilities, of sellers and buyers and agents. And uh, the two of you are perfect guests because you have an office manager um, in Rita where you review and, and supervise files and agents. We have an attorney here uh, that's also a real estate broker. I think <clears throat> we have interesting perspective here. So why... Why is this business so complicated to where you can't really do it on your own? You kind of have to have a realtor. Uh, because we live in the state of California. And uh, <laughs> That's, there is a morass. That, that answer right there <laughs> okay. says it all. You said be brief. Yeah. <laughs> Not that brief. <laughs> we still have 58 minutes to go. Uh, well, it's difficult. Uh, California is obviously one of the most... Um, difficult states to do business in. There's a lot of laws in California regarding uh, consumer protection, especially in the real estate field, and um, largely with contractual and statutory disclosures. And uh, you have to have somebody with, with knowledge that can navigate their way through the process. Okay. It, and um, th that's from the liability standpoint. Rita, what, what about other reasons to use a realtor? I mean, just from a maybe a more personal standpoint. Well, I think it's just that personal care. I think the two things as agents we should be looking for is um, uh, our clients are um, needing, they either have a problem that we need to solve for them 
um, or we need to find something that they're looking for in terms of pleasure. Maybe it's finding a home um, in an area that's closer to their workplace and closer to their school so they can have less time um, commuting and more time with family. So we're actually solving problems. We're creating pleasures in their lives, uh, increasing their their value in their life, and that's important. So um, being good at what we do, knowing the contract, understanding all of that, um, helps uh, build trust with our clients so that they trust us in these really important decisions like selling or buying a home. And I often thought that maybe one of the big reasons that people need a realtor is we are that third-party affirmation. You know, like, am, am I really doing the right thing? And, you know, the realtor being able to say, well, look, you know, we have looked at 15 houses now. This is far and away the best one. So still your decision, but I do believe you're ready. Just that affirmation makes a big difference to many, especially when it's their first home. I would agree with that, absolutely. And they're looking for our expertise in every mm. aspect of it. I recently had one where um, I kind of had to, I mean, the guy was really impressed by the size of the backyard. But that's because there was an easement there because there was a railroad track behind there. But he was focused on that big yard, didn't really look over the fence too much. Well, I know that when he gets that affirmation from family when he brings them over, that's going to come up. So you know, kept pointing out, well, now how do you feel about those railroad tracks? So, yeah, because uh, we point out things that they otherwise wouldn't see or, or, or maybe just uh, ignore because mm -hmm. of the emotion involved in purchasing. Like they're excited. I'm excited about the backyard. Yeah. But I'm not going to pay attention to the fact that there's – but my agent will. You know, that's a good point. That we, Realtors need to help balance emotion and logic. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes, for sure. It, yeah. And liability. And liability, which is <laughs> where – that's well, where we Brian's love having Brian. Yes, he he definitely talks us off the uh, edge sometimes, mm -hmm. guides us. Well, I, I think we see things that they don't because of our experience, and it's better to learn from our experience and our mistakes than make those your own, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, because really, in the great thing about a real estate transaction for home ownership is if you're going to move into it, it should be a win-win transaction. I, I'm sure as an attorney in court, you've seen a lot of win-lose. Yeah. Or lose-lose. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, you rarely ever see that in real estate, lose-lose. I mean, it's like the seller wants to sell so that they can move on to where their next dream. Buyer wants to start that dream. So it's a win-win. Absolutely. Agreed. What are some of the other things that realtors provide? Um, besides that affirmation and besides coming up with questions that they may not ask? Um, well, they have to interface with the, uh, the other side. Um, I think it's better to have that buffer, having a real estate agent listen to the criticisms of your property. If you're a seller, you may not be ready for that. Um, an agent can usually tell you things in a more constructive manner. Um, and so I, I think the interface between the buyer and seller, it's good to have that third party involved. You know, that's a, you're bringing out a good point. What would it be like if there were no agents and the buyer had to go directly to the seller to negotiate? I think there'd be more fistfights. <laughs> yeah. 
It's difficult. Uh, people are emotional, especially about their home. They don't want to hear criticisms about it. They've been living there. They have a love for it. They usually think it's worth more than it is because it's personal to them. They've lived there, raised their kids there. And it's difficult for them to listen to hard criticisms. And buyers are going to criticize your property because they're trying to negotiate the price down. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that that would be the the stronger person will dominate. It, it could be David versus Goliath. That's a great point. Yeah. Uh, you got that professional buyer, the shark. Yeah. Uh, we provide a little backbone mm-hmm. for our clients. And buffer. And, and sometimes we do that through timing. It, it, timing meaning, okay, we'll get back to you tomorrow. Right. If you're face-to-face you're more inclined to have to give a a response right then. Absolutely agree with that. And then that provides the time for counsel. Um, You know, realtors are not attorneys, but we we are counselors. We sometimes act like we're attorneys. Don't don't tell Brian I said that. Some of them are better than attorneys. (laughs) Okay, yeah, we we won't go there, but... uh, (laughs) You heard it first on Welcome Home Radio. Um, all right. So, yeah, it, uh, I could just see that real estate shark on the last day of escrow saying, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I am so sorry. My roofer just came by and said the roof's not going to last very much longer. So I'll go ahead and buy it, you know, so you can keep loading up your moving van. Um, but the... I need a $10,000 reduction for the roof. I could see that happening without the realtors being the intermediator, intermediaries and saying, oh, ho, oh, wait a minute, you, you can't do that on the last day. Well, the real estate agent understands the contract. They're going to know where the transaction is. Have you removed your contingencies? Does, does the buyer have the right to back out at that point? And so uh, a good realtor is going to know that and educate their client. You know, I just thought of a very important point, too. The realtors are the ones who drew up those contracts. Absolutely. Through the California Association of Realtors, we have a standard forms committee. Um, group of realtors meet with uh, three or four attorneys in the room, and they hash it out for days and days on end, maybe just to change one sentence. It better not be days and days for one sentence. That that would make us look too I, much I think like that's Cong- accurate, though. <laughs> yeah. That might make yeah, us. Yeah, we look like Congress. Yeah. Right. No. Thank you. I want that. Okay. So there's a lot that the realtors bring to the table, even if you don't see it. You, you may not see all those uh, those workshop meetings where they're, they're going through creating the forms that protect that elderly couple from the real estate shark who's trying to nail them for ten grand at the last day of escrow. Well, and it's not just the preparation of the contracts that the California Association of Realtors does. It's it's the agents studying those contracts and those disclosures. I mean, there's quite a few documents in a, in a usual transaction. It can be overwhelming. And so you expect that your real estate agent is going to know and navigate the documents and assist you with that. I think our I think our consumer too. I'm always quite amazed at buyers and sellers um, when we when I walk them through the process and maybe two three days later, 
they they don't even remember what we talked about in terms of contingencies or investigations. And so it's a constant, for me, communication with your client, continually reminding them of what's in the contract, what the duties are that they need to do, what we need to do as agents, what the buyers need. I mean, just there's duties in the whole thing. Really, the contract is an instruction for all of us. But the buyers and sellers are counting on us to do that for them, to help them, guide guide them through that, to remind them. So if someone were to come back at the day of close of escrow and say, oh, by the way, I want a $10,000 credit, it's great to have an agent to say, well, actually, you already removed all your contingencies, and uh, no, <laughs> we're going to close. So, I mean, it, they don't know that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And not only do we have the contract, which, like you said, are the instructions uh, to close the escrow, But there's a lot of disclosures, and we are going to go to our first commercial break. But when we get back, let's dive into those disclosures. Exciting. I love disclosures. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I I just don't like filling them out and going through that whole process. But it is a necessity that keeps us in business. Absolutely. So with that, we're going to our first commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today on Memorial Day weekend is Rita Amaro and Brian Catone of Lion Real Estate right here in Fresno, California. That bumper music of Put Me In Coach is because we're calling out a, a, an agent out there who's listening for the first time because his friends are on, on the show. And we can't believe Dan Raymer, a realtor from the there, Raymer Group. Yeah, told me that. Oh, he, I mean, he didn't even know what time the show came on or so, what channel. Yeah, so uh, shame on him, right? Exactly. He should be listening every time you're on the air. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. So, Dan, you're you, we're going to get you on the show pretty soon. Absolutely. <laughs> I could just see him dying laughing right now. <laughs> Exactly. All right. We were talking about the importance of disclosures. First of all, let's go to something that you do buy without mandatory disclosures. Um, I was trading in my old car to a place, and I'm telling just because of my the nature of being a realtor, I'm telling them everything that's wrong with that car. And, um, you know, I knew it well. I put 250,000 miles on it being a realtor. <laughs> But I don't think they wanted to hear all that. Of course, that was a dealer. If it was an individual buying it, I think they needed to know that stuff. What a great analogy. I'm going to use that. All right. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't get as much for it as I had hoped, but you know, maybe that's why. Maybe I over-disclosed. Yeah. But then I didn't get sued later either, so that's the key. Right. <laughs> that's the Can key. Can you over-disclose, Brian? I think not. <laughs> I look at the disclosures as a kind of get out of jail free card for the seller. If you do it properly, you're not going to have to look over your shoulder and worry about a lawsuit coming for failing to disclose or some other matter. Mm-hmm. And of course, the first person to always disclose after the close of escrow on the day escrow closes and the buyer shows up, the next door neighbor yes. comes back. The nosy neighbor. <laughs> if you don't disclose it, your neighbor will. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, you know why they moved. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we they, talk about that all the time, honestly. It happens so so often in mm-hmm. real estate where the neighbor decides to be helpful at the, after close of escrow. Yeah. I, I had one where um, my buyers moved in, and right away there was a sewer line clog. And we went back through the disclosures, nothing about that. For, uh, wouldn't you know the neighbor came and said, well, why don't you call so-and-so, the, the, the plumber? They're the ones the seller always used. They had them on a regular contract every three wow. months. Yeah. So um, it would that the it, it will the truth will always find its way. Well, Can and I? that's interesting. That's a specific question asked in the transfer disclosure statement or the SBQ. Is there regular maintenance for the property? And that would be included in that answer. Mm-hmm. I want to just. Um, we talked earlier about the importance of uh, using an agent, a realtor. Um, this is the reason is if you're selling on your own, you might not um, realize or remember to ask these, ask yourself these questions or disclose them. But using an agent, you're going to get the forms. Um, the agents are going to ask the questions. The agents have the experience to kind of even prod you a little bit to make sure uh, to remind you of things you might have forgotten over the years, whether there was a sewer clean out or, you know, you sometimes we forget. Mm-hmm. But having an agent, I just feel like is someone that's going to say, you've never had any kind of issues, sewer or it's just important. I We s- encourage our agents to sit down with the clients and, and really have conversations when they're doing the disclosures versus just giving them the disclosure and saying, here, fill this out and bring it back to me. Just mm-hmm. having those conversations is important. I have to tell you, that is my least favorite part of being a realtor is the filling out of the TDS and the SPQ because it can take a half hour to an hour de- oh, yeah. depending on the on the client. But it is my get out of jail free card. Right. Yeah. It's the most important thing we do in a transaction. Mm-hmm. I think your clients find it valuable too. They appreciate that time you're spending with them. If it takes 30 minutes, two hours – um, you know, they feel they're looking for value. Why am I paying you to do this? And that's the value they get, I think, mm-hmm. more than anything else, is that time spent protection. And now I've heard the old expression, if you really don't want the buyer to know it, then you probably, that's a, a key that you should disclose it. Like That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah, I think we say if you have to ask, then disclose it. In other words, if an agent says, "Do we ha- does the seller have to disclose this? And I, my thought is, if you have to ask the question, you should disclose it. I think there's a great explanation on the seller property questionnaire that the California Realist, uh, Residential Purchase Agreement requires in a transaction. And it says something to the effect that if you, seller, were buying the property today, what would you want to know? And I think that's a great response to, do I need to disclose this? Mm-hmm. The two biggest forms are the transfer disclosure form, also known as the TDS, and then the seller property questionnaire, known as the SPQ. Um, Seven pages of very detailed questions. Um, Going to the TDS, which I believe is a state mandated. It's because you live in California form. Right. Um, I, I love on page one, they have you check off everything that's in the home, you know, whether there's an air conditioner or, or a cooler, whether there's a um, septic tank, public sewer system, 
and then at the end <clears throat> it says is there anything not in operating condition and really that's the spot where you should put down yeah you know um you got to kick the dishwasher three times before it runs yes disclose that stuff yes um what about on page two of the tds any significant defects or malfunctions so what is significant so that the dishwasher needs to be prodded kick three times to, before it runs. Is that significant? Is that a defect? It is if you're a buyer. Okay. If you've been living with it for five years, you may not think it's significant as a seller, but you're not in the buyer's shoes. Mm -hmm. And so you need to always think about what Being would in I, the buyer's shoes. Exactly. What right. would I want to know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of a silly uh, example, but it also makes a point. Don't make, the, if the best advice to a seller don't make the buyer mad the first week because right. when when they see that you know there's you got to push or, sh or shove the dishwasher to make it work the first thought that pops up in a buyer's mind is what else did the seller not, not tell disclose, me that's right. absolutely right they lose trust and confidence in the in the seller and in the, the transaction mhm mm um there are some questions that are seem hard uh, or if you have a um, a home that's in in a subdivision, some of these questions seem meaningless, like uh, any zoning violations, non-conforming uses, violation of setback requirements. Um, but and a lot of times, sellers don't really know about setback requirements. Right? Maybe they've built a shed uh, up against the fence, or you know something that, of that nature. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also like to point out that they can't disclose what they don't know. So I'm just saying, sometimes if you look at a seller and go, well, why didn't they disclose that? My thought might be, well, if they didn't know about it themselves, they can't disclose it. So it's not necessarily, I, I don't like um, people in the transaction to um, instantly be, um, uh, accuse people of, you know, you, you intentionally misled me or you didn't disclose something. Sometimes... Um, it's from non, they don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've lived in properties where, you know, until the home inspection occurs, they discover something. You're like, I didn't know that that was a problem. I didn't see that leak or whatever it may be. I'm just saying there, that happens too. But yeah. these questions are really made to help people to prod them to think about things. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And, and remember, both the transfer disclosure statement and the seller property questionnaire, they ask the seller, are you aware of the following? Okay, so it's what they're aware of. And I think it's important on the transfer disclosure statement, for instance, the first question, it's an unnumbered question. It's kind of inconspicuous, but it says, do you occupy the house? Because if you don't occupy the house, how reliable and detailed and comprehensive are the disclosures? So the buyer should really pay attention to that. Absolutely. Yes. I think the seller should too. I my belief is that TDS is to help the seller, so it's important to completely fill it out. I'm sure, Don, you've seen plenty of TDSs where they weren't completely filled out. A date, a simple occupancy um, note, whether it's occupied or not. Those are important reasons to do it. I I just think sometimes they think they're trivial. It's not that important. Obviously, I live in it. I th I still think it's important to complete everything. Mm -hmm. And it's required. Uh, the contract says 
that all questions must be answered. If anything is answered yes, you must provide an explanation. And uh, if it's incomplete, the, of course, the right of rescission remains open and the buyer could back out at any time. So it's, it's important for the seller to take the disclosure obligation seriously and to complete the documents. Here's, here's a question uh, that gets answered yes a lot, and of course buyers are concerned with it. Neighborhood noise problems or other nuisances. Um, what constitutes a nuisance or a noise problem? Well, it, what if you have a neighbor that is doing woodworking in his garage, you know, every day of the week, and he's got power tools in there? That could be it. At 6.30 in the morning. At 6.30 in the morning. Uh, I think there's a specific question that talks about neighborhood noise includes uh, pool equipment that may be close to your bedroom or something to that effect. Or maybe it's the neighbor's pool equipment that's close to your bedroom. Mm -hmm. uh, those would be neighborhood noise issues. Uh, of course, the train that you referred to earlier would be yeah. an obvious one. How about barking dogs? I was going to say barking dogs, yeah. And you might you might love dogs and not bother you in any way, but it could be a nuisance to the buyer. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point uh, and a reason for the buyer to uh, maybe drive by the house that they're looking at at night, maybe 6 or 7 o'clock. What's going on in the neighborhood? Are there barking dogs? You know, go around at different times. Just don't go the one time for the open house or the one time for an inspection. Drive around the neighborhood. See what you're getting yourself into. Okay, so what you're saying is there's a, a duty on the buyer, not just on the seller. The yes. buyer needs to do what they can to investigate right? And, you, and, and use this as a starting point. Don't stick your head in the sand. Yeah. Okay, it's time for our next commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we are here with the, uh, the king and the queen of Lion Real Estate, uh, Rita Amaro and Brian Catone, uh, both brokers, and they're visiting with us today. And we're, we're diving into disclosures, why it's important for sellers, why it's important for buyers, and also the realtors and where the realtor role comes into all of this. So in the previous segment, we talked about the, there are seven intense pages of disclosures. Lots of questions. I've never counted them up, but there's got to be 50, 60, 70 questions, specific questions that they ask the seller about the property. Which of those questions seem to be the, the more common uh, time bombs? Well, I would say one of the one one of the questions that is most often answered incorrectly, and I focus on, is the question that talks about: Are you seller aware of any reports, inspections, disclosures, warranties, maintenance regarding the condition of the property? And more often than not, that question is answered no. But more often than not you've purchased your house in the last 20, 25 years, you've got a pest inspection, a natural hazard disclosure, you got TDS, uh, you received a TDS, a pest home inspection, inspection, a home inspection report. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, you are aware of other reports and recommendations. 
whether you have the documents is not the question. It's just, are you aware of the documents? And so mm -hmm. that needs to be answered yes in most cases. So let's say it's answered yes and the seller puts down home inspection pest report. What does the buyer do with that or what should they do with that? They should request them and see if, if they do have them, I'd like to see them. Mm -hmm. Or the seller could put on there, I'm aware of these inspections, but I no longer have them in my possession, which is really what the statement in the in the um, disclosure says. Do you have them in your possession? So you should say, no, I don't have them in my possession if you don't have them. Okay, let me throw one out there. Uh, this is on the TDS. It asks the seller, are, there, are you aware of any CCNRs or other deed restrictions or obligations? I'm going to tell you as a realtor myself, most sellers say, what's that? I don't know. I don't know of any. 100%. And almost every property does have CCNRs. They, I mean, they're old sometimes, but they're there. Mm -hmm. Tell us what a CCNR is. Um, Brian, it's con <laughs> conditions, covenants, and restrictions. So they're usually you yes. They're usually laid out at the time of the the land being developed. That's why sometimes they're old. They're actually kind of fun to read. I'm kind of nerdy, so I actually sometimes read those things, and they're interesting what they put. God, you must be a nerd if you I'm read a nerd. CCNRs. I am a nerd. Yes, yes, contract nerd. I try to avoid reading CCNRs personally. <laughs> Yeah, they're not really interesting. And, and a lot of it is common sense. You, you know, you can't park a trailer out in front of it of uh, or on the property for more than so many days. Um, you know, that's common sense and common courtesy to your neighbors, too. Well, so. the older properties have, when I say they're interesting, they have things like you can only have, you know, five farm animals. And um, there's even things in it that are no longer legal to, to you know, Restrict. Yeah. Right. And so I just find that interesting. What It's like history to me. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. That's the older good. ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting way to put it. Um, here's, a, 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 I think, a very important question on the first page of the SPQ. Are there any insurance claims affecting the property within the last five years? Why should that matter? Well, it, if there was an insurance claim, that's usually going to be a busted pipe. It's going to be something significant generally, and that's why it's important. Uh, was it corrected appropriately? Uh, is it going to reoccur? There's lots of issues there. Okay. So the buyer has to take this information, and maybe that determines which uh, inspections they get. Correct. Yeah. They may, after hearing that, that there was a busted pipe, they may want to have a video camera uh, um, by a plumber, you know, have them. Uh, well, what what the if they don't? Here's the better question to me for the seller is when you disclose things like that, um, you've given the, the buyer notice. And if the buyer doesn't proceed with anything else, and but then comes back later after close of escrow and wants to say, well, you know, you didn't. Uh, this happened, and now you you need to you owe me because I have all this money out on this repair that that I wasn't aware of. I feel like uh, that's something the seller can go back. Actually, I did disclose it on the SPQ. I did stay that, and then the buyer really, I think, a, a a judge or an attorney might look at that and say, why didn't you investigate further when the seller disclosed this? 
It just puts a, another, I feel like it, it puts responsibility on both parties mm-hmm. to do what they need to do next. That also ties in with the home inspection report. Oftentimes you will see a home inspector advise that you have an AC or some plumbing issue uh, inspected by a specialist in that area. And oftentimes buyers aren't reading that information or they're not sitting down with their agent and going over and why, uh, explaining why that's an important piece of information that you need to follow up on. I see. So I think the theme of the show so far is that these disclosures that the seller has to fill out also put a responsibility on the buyer. That's correct. It yes. actually is a shifting burden after the seller meets his obligation of disclosing, the buyer actually has a duty to investigate. And you, I'm going to say something you're not going to like. Also, I think the we agents... We have a seven-second button. <laughs> <laughs> the agents... Don't worry. It's no no bad words. Um, the agents also have a responsibility once those disclosures are completed. And the agents should be reading the disclosures. And if there's any red flags, they should be sitting down with their clients, discussing those red flags. Um, if it's the buyer, then they should be saying, Mr. Buyer, I see that the seller disclosed this. Uh, would you like to go further with that? Perhaps another in, uh, investigation, another inspection. I mean, they need to be doing this with their clients, and too. And I can just hear the buyer. So who pays for that extra report? Oh, absolutely. Well, you do, Mr. Buyer. Well, you can always ask for the yes. seller to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But that's important. Sitting down and reviewing that you asked, why do we use? Why should we use brokers and agents? Well, that's one of the reasons. We are trained in the facts. We're trained in the law pertaining to real estate, and we see things they don't see. We see the red flags. Mm -hmm. I really liked a term that you used a few minutes ago: shifting burden. Um, And that actually, if you're the seller, the best way to put the burden on the buyer is to disclose it. Yes. Absolutely. And disclose it in writing. Uh, and, and then the best way for the buyer to shift it back is to ask for more information. Absolutely. And I like what you said. Disclose it in writing. Memorialize. We like to use that word in our right. office. Because memorialize everything. Often things are disclosed during inspections verbally. Uh, walking the property or maybe the buyer showed up to measure something because they're under contract and the seller says, oh, by the way, um, those are things that need to be memorialized. We forget about those things, but that's that could be done easily. You could put it in an email and just say, hey, I just want to remind you today we discussed X, Y, and Z. Okay, so as the office manager, Rita, how, how would you handle this one? Because this one seems to come up a lot. You sit there, your agent sits there with the the seller, you fill everything out and spend a lot of time. Then as they leave, you get a phone call, the agent gets a phone call saying, oh, there's one more thing I forgot to put on there. Can you add it in for me? What would you say there? I never want to hear those words. And and believe me, I do. Well, I've hear heard them a lot. That's I why I'm asking. I hear them a lot. And I, I have, I, I probably, my response is I can't say on radio, so um, I won't. But yeah, no, we, we don't fill out anything for our clients. We, we guide them. Maybe we're counseling them, helping them in terms of, you know, going, understanding what the questions are. But um, I, I, they, no, they cannot do that they the, the they need to go back they can send an addendum um 
to the to the document. So we do addendums to TDS, addendums to the SBQ. We can do those types of things. There's easy ways to resolve it, but ultimately, it needs to be the client's words. Mm-hmm. And in the client's handwriting. Yes. Um, and you know, way back when, when these things first got started, <clears throat> being a full-service realtor, I thought, I'll ask a question and I'll just fill it out for them. That stopped right away when one client said, well, I told you that. Yes. Well, I didn't say no. Well, that happens more often than not after the close yeah, of Brian escrow sees and a, a lot dispute of that. arises. That's absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. All right. I think sometimes agents think they're being helpful or providing this really great quality service, but um, they're putting themselves in jeopardy and their clients in jeopardy when they do things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been talking about these specific disclosures, the TDS and the SPQ. In two minutes or less, tell us about all the other general disclosures, such as lead-based paint, um, the FERPTA. I think you should talk about the uh, statewide buyer and seller advisory. It's a okay. It's a fort. What is it? Fourteen pages now. Mm-hmm. I think uh, started off with what? Do you remember, Don? Eight, eight pages, maybe. It did. And, yeah, and it's grown. And I always tell mm-hmm. clients it grows because uh, litigation grows. Every time there's a lawsuit in California, they just add it to the SPSA, the statewide. Just add the extra disclosure. That thing, um, we have actually had sales meetings on that document alone because it covers so many things. It helps explain the disclosures that you're talking about, what is required, and uh, and it also explains things like mediation, arbitration, liquidated damages. Uh, it's a phenomenal tool, really, for the agent in sitting down with their client and responding to questions. Mm-hmm. You know, you should have that document with you, and you can highlight it and say, well, look, it's it's spelled out right here. So that the statewide buyer and seller advisory is for both of them, obviously. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no agreement on there. It's just advising each party, this is what you can do, or this is what you should be aware of. Or explaining so, things, such as arbitration and mediation, which is a very difficult thing. And as agents, we really can't... D- you know, give legal advice, right? If they can read that SPSA in those sections, it's actually very helpful. Okay. So uh, that's, you like that form. That's an important one. Because yes. being it so long, I know a lot of realtors that don't really like it, um, but it is one of those necessities. And they don't like it because they don't read it. And it's, well, and it, but it's important because it's part of the value yes. that we bring to our clients. I think it's a great tool. I think it's a great tool for the agent to do their job, mm-hmm. and it's very informative for the buyer and the seller. Okay, and with that, we're going to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. When we get back, we're going to talk about dispute resolution. Ooh. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. And with all the, the rain that we're having, I feel like it is September. Um, something's going on out there. It sure is different. But today we have uh, Brian Catone and Rita Amaro from Lion Real Estate here. And we're talking about the impact on the legalities and the liabilities to both the seller and the buyer and the agents in the transaction. Let's say something goes wrong. And we need a dispute resolution. What are the options out there to uh, solve these disputes? Well, actually, uh, 
the first mechanism is not even an option. It's mandated by the contract, and that's mediation. Uh, mediation, I don't, if you've not participated in it, generally what mediation is is there's a dispute, and the parties are required to hire a neutral to see if he can or she can assist in the resolution. That's generally going to be an attorney that has real estate experience or a retired judge. And uh, in 25 words or less, basically what happens is the mediator comes in and says, look, I can't make you do anything here today, but I'm going to let you know separately in separate rooms what I think everybody's risk is if you don't resolve it today. Uh, you have the power to resolve it under your own terms. If you go down to the court, you're going to have something shoved upon you that probably neither of you are going to like. Okay, so mediation is a much more friendly approach i would take it i mean you're far not, and away you're not adversaries yet you're upset but you're you're not duking it out yet okay kind of a kind of a weird question here but in all these um dispute resolutions um whether it's mediation arbitration litigation wouldn't you think that a lot of times people just want to be heard they want that other side to know that they felt like they got lied to I, I've had real estate mediations where somebody just wanted an apology. Uh, so yeah, you're right. They want they want to be heard and they want to be acknowledged, and you know, and oftentimes they want they they may want some money as well. But a lot of times they just want to be heard and um, they want to be apologized. Don't to. you think most uh, disputes come from lack of communication? Like, like they. It just if there was like really deep communication, there wouldn't be a dispute. I learned that one a long time ago. In uh, your marriage? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the typical guy. When there's a dispute, I just clam up. <laughs> no, I, there was a small claims judge that told us. He said, "You know, in dispute resolution, there's litigation." There's arbitration, there's mediation, but first comes communication. You two go out in the hallway, communicate, come back to me and tell me what you worked out. He was a good judge. Yes. That is, that's it's great the advice. Truth. Yeah. It, it uh, had we communicated, wouldn't have been a problem. And, and I think that's part of uh, using a real estate agent or broker. When you get the call from your buyer after the close of escrow that there's a problem, <laughs> Generally, the buyer is casting aspersions and saying, I can't believe they didn't disclose this or that or the other thing. And as Rita pointed out earlier, it could have been an accident. It could have been something they were unaware of. Unintentional. Right. Didn't understand the question or, I mean, it's just, I just think it's most of it. I, I don't think it's our nature to be, uh, to want to fight or, or have these things kind of occur. Everybody wants it to be smooth and peaceful. Mm -hmm. um, I think it just usually starts with a uh, lack of communication, understanding. All right. So, and mediation is something that doesn't cost very much, right? I, I guess when you compare it to litigation. Oh, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket compared to arbitration or litigation. Mm -hmm. It can be very inexpensive. Let's talk about arbitration. What's that like? Well, basically, that's a trial that's going to take place in a private setting, usually with a retired judge. And you're duking it out at that point. Uh, but you've made the decision to arbitrate rather than litigate because you will save money in an arbitration. It's typically going to be a 
faster and cheaper remedy. You could be in an arbitration within a few months. If you're going to litigate in the Fresno County Superior Court, your case may not be heard for 18 to 24 months. What's the negative side of arbitration, Brian? The negative side of arbitration is you're giving up some things. In an arbitration, you're not going to have a jury of your peers. You're going to have one arbitrator typically that's going to hear the facts and apply the law. Uh, the second limitation is if the arbitrator makes a mistake, generally there is no remedy for that. You can't appeal it to the superior court, something that you would be able to do in litigation. What type of residential real estate transaction should go to litigation? You know, obviously not the dispute over the dishwasher. Right. Well, it, it, it should be significant. It should be something that, uh, number one, it, there was probably something that was concealed. In other words, the seller was aware of something that was significant and did not tell the buyer about it, and it's an expensive ticket. Uh, maybe there's a problem in the roof, uh, in the structure of the roof that you can't see from the outside. Uh, that's a thirty, forty thousand $40,000 issue. Uh, we've had cases where things were built without permits and in violation of the building code, and they were teardowns, and that was a hundred to two, $200,000 ticket item. So those are things that you probably want litigated because, again, uh, while it's more expensive, you don't want uh, to be in a situation where you don't have the right to appeal a bad decision or the wrong decision, like you would not have that right in arbitration. I see. And there's a dollar amount too, right? The, uh, I, I think there is, but that dollar amount is different to to everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of what I meant by that question is if, if it's under $10,000, then you can go to small You go to small court. claims court, and that's where you should be. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Cause, uh, Individuals like you and I can go into small claims up to $10,000. Businesses can only sue in small claims for up to $5,000. So, the, I mean, $10,000 is a significant sum. Uh, of course, there's not going to be lawyers involved. It's going to be buyer and seller hashing it out, or it could be buyer and agent hashing it out. Uh, but the jurisdictional limit for small claims for individuals like all of us is $10,000. Mm -hmm. And, of course, small claims court's not so bad. There was that great judge that taught me and the other party about communication. By the way, that was not a real estate-related. That was about video games. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, in, in, in the small claims process at Fresno County Superior Court, they're going to do the same thing that judge did with you. They're going to send you out in the hall, and they're going to ask you to meet with uh, the mediators down there that they provide for free. Mm -hmm. uh, the Better Business Bureau will be there. we got a couple of minutes left, so let me ask each of you individually, what do you want our listeners to remember the most about today's show, about disclosures, liability, et cetera? I want um, the consumer out there to know the importance of um, the, using a, a real estate agent. Um, I think that our services are extremely valuable, um, and I think that um, our, um, our industry cares a lot. It does a lot for the consumer. So there. Yeah, I would say okay. we have tools that they don't, and uh, the most important thing is read the documents, that the disclosures. There's very important information in there. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming in today and sharing your expertise with all our listeners. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in, even you, Dan Raymer, to <laughs> Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Thank you. Thank you.